Welcome to the Get Up and Hope podcast. My name is William Thomas. Thank you for joining your host, my dad, David Thomas, and his friend Joe Carr. Hello, this is David. Thank you for joining us for our final episode of season one. We will be continuing our discussion that began in episode five about pursuing what is real and lasting instead of chasing shadows that fade away. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Get Up and Hope. Uh, I'm Joe. And I'm here on a cold, snowy day in Boston. And David, where are you today? (laughs) I'm actually in Paris, France. Oh, so lucky. Yeah, it's very difficult. And it's cold here as well. Being from Florida, I have been wearing a jacket under a coat with a hat on and gloves and a scarf. So pretty sure everybody can see that I am not used to this weather as I'm wandering around the city. Yeah, you know, I used to live in Florida for about five years, and I would forget to pack a coat whenever I would go somewhere uh, in winter months. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I forget that the rest of the world has to uh, think about what to wear because we just wore short sleeves every day. You know, it didn't matter. Right. Or there's the, the other extreme where, like, my wife and I last spring went to Los Angeles and we thought, man, it's going to be really cold for us. So we packed all like winter stuff and we got there and we were just sweating the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things we say living in Boston, you know, you can withstand any temperature if you have the right clothing. <laughs> yeah, I remember actually living in or growing up in Indianapolis and being like all self-conscious teenager. I was like longing for when the weather got cold enough that I could wear more clothing and <laughs> like have the long sleeves because I didn't feel like my scrawny arms, you know? <laughs> so it wasn't to hide your many tattoos at that point, right? <laughs> oh man, my parents would have killed me. We were such <laughs> good kids. We didn't get tattoos until our 30s, you know? I know, yeah, we really were. And it's funny, we've been talking about like this idea of valuing what matters. And there's so many just stupid things that we can get hung up on, things that don't ultimately matter. That is so true. What a great transition, by the way, too. So back to the subject matter. But no, that subject has come up because we we go to those places where we're overly conscious about ourselves and on and like the things that seem like they matter, but they don't really matter. You know, I think that's what you're alluding to. Right. Picking up where we left off last time. So I was just had a question to kind of get us started talking about this. So what was one of your favorite Christmas presents of all time? I don't know. I can think about things that I was excited about when I got them, but now it seems kind of funny. Like I remember getting this, I think it was like a 17 inch or 16 inch black and white box TV that I could Hmm. actually put in my bedroom. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. (laughs) What about you? Oh, um, I think we got this little six foot basketball goal, you know, one time and it was actually a gift to me and my brother, but I, I don't think it lasted, but maybe a year or so, because you think about, you know, young rambunctious boys playing on a little basketball goal that they can actually dunk on that sort of thing. It's going to break <laughs> really quickly, you know, Right. <laughs> it's not going to last forever. And so I think that that's funny that we put so much attention on Christmas presents, you know, and making sure our kids have a really, really good Christmas. And the tree is just exploding with the gifts to open. And yet those things don't last. But I bet if I asked you the question, tell me about one of your favorite Christmas memories, that that might be a little easier for you to come up with. Do you have an answer for that? 
I don't even know if this is a Christmas memory or not, but I remember when I was younger and this is like one of those barely old enough to remember memories. And uh, my dad and I were in Joplin, Missouri, where I was born and he went to college out there. So did my mom. And we either still lived out there. We were visiting family who, who lived out there. But I remember we bundled up and I put on one of those snow suits and he took me out of this place uh, called the Falls that's in Joplin. It's a very popular little local place where people go to hang out or, I mean, quite honestly, to make out or <laughs> or just <laughs> fish or whatever. And, and it was all frozen because it was in the middle of winter. And I remember, you know, stepping out on the ice and seeing it crack and him telling me, you know, how far I could go and not, not fall through and how dangerous it was. And then looking over and seeing this mound of snow and saying I wanted to climb it. So we climb up to the top of it and it couldn't have been that high, but as, you know, a four-year-old, however old I was, I remember getting to the top of it and the breeze being so cold. I just looked at him and said, I want to leave now. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we came back down and we went to the candy house, which was also used to be a really popular local hmm. place there in Joplin. And we sat in the car and ate candy. And then I'm pretty sure he told me not to tell anybody that we went there before we went back. <laughs> so sorry, dad, if you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, here you've told the whole world now. So yep, no, that's yep. a great memory. I'm glad you uh, shared that. I, I think about visiting my grandparents who lived in uh, Northwest Missouri. I guess it's interesting. We both grew up in Indianapolis, but both had these connections in Missouri. But that's where my dad was from. And we would go visit the farm that he grew up on. And so my grandparents still lived there. And it wasn't necessarily, like you said, a specific Christmas memory, but it was just that idea of going to be with my grandparents. I don't know, just I can close my eyes and I'm immediately back inside that old farmhouse with the uh, with the wood burning stove that would heat the whole house. And, and just memories like that, that were like so rich. I think those are like the things that are most special to us. And we will hold those forever. And yet, they weren't made of plastic or cheap fur or whatever it may be, you know, it was in the interaction with people that was the most special. Right. And I think as we get older, that's something that, it, well, I, I don't want to say as we get older, because not everybody, I don't think matures as they get older, <laughs> but I think as True. you, you know, <laughs> as you have kids and you start to reflect on your, your own favorite memories growing up, you try to think of ways to instill those same things with your kids. Like we started something two years ago where in Tampa down by this, this river walk, they have museums and different community events set up all the time around Christmas time. Like it's set up right now. They have an ice skating rink. It's just really cool because you can go down there and all you need is maybe like a long sleeve shirt or a jacket, but it's fully Christmas time down there. So we started taking the kids like the day before Christmas Eve. We get hot chocolate at one of the local little vendors there. And then we walk around because they have all those like little stands set up everywhere and enjoy the few cold days that we have in Tampa and look at the Christmas lights and everything that's set up downtown. Hmm. Yeah, I think what's unique about creating those Christmas memories for our kids, especially, is helping to kind of reset the world that they live in for the most part, you know, because my son, if he plays on his iPad, for any period of time, then he's going to see some sort of an ad and he's going to say, Ooh, that's what I want. You know, it's hard to explain to your kids that these ads are targeted 
directly for you. So the kids who are actually playing Minecraft, this is the kind of ads that they actually put on there because they think, okay, these are the kids who will want to go buy whatever this object is. And they do the same thing for me, by the way, too. We were looking for like, you know, a backyard fire pit for a while. And I had just searched maybe once or twice, you know, on Google. And then you get on Facebook, you get on Instagram, and all of a sudden you're just inundated with all of these targeted ads for this specific kind of fire pit. And so we ended up buying the thing called the solo stove. And we were actually with some friends who were coming over and enjoying the fire with us in our backyard. And we were talking about this. Like, oh, this is cool. I had never seen one of these before. I've I'd maybe heard about this or whatever. So we were talking about it. And I think we mentioned the word solo stove probably five or six times. And then all of a sudden, they send us a text after they go home and they say, you wouldn't guess what the ads we're getting in our Instagram feed are. You know, and I knew it. That's just the way it works. Like, you're just targeted for like, you spent time at so-and-so's house. They just bought one of these. Don't you want one too? Or maybe they're listening to our conversations. I don't know. It doesn't really bother <laughs> me or anything, but it is interesting to think. It's not the universe speaking to us saying, you really need this thing. It is actually one of those puppet masters, you know, referring back to that previous episode, those puppet masters that are sending you a signal saying, this is what you need. You need this thing. And so it's hard to communicate that to your nine-year-old son. Right. Thanks a lot, Joe, because now I'm going to have a solo stove, whatever that is, popping up on every news feed every time I open anything for the next month. I hope so. <laughs> and then you'll think about me, but you, but I, you will actually stop and think, that's the puppet master at work again. So solo stove, if you're listening. <laughs> but yeah, going back to where you started off with, you know, the meaningful Christmas gifts, I think it's interesting the fact that we're so excited about something, but then it's like the second we have it, it loses its appeal very quickly. Mm -hmm. Do you think that since the anticipation of the thing sometimes overshadows the thing itself, that that is the reason why they put such impossible to open plastic around the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> you know, a lot of that is the targeted advertising and all it like builds up this anticipation. And that's something at Christmas time that's so much fun when you have kids is seeing like their their anticipation because they know once that tree goes up, they know what's going to eventually be under that tree. Mm -hmm. And what we try to do is we try to get our get whatever we're going to get them as gifts early so they can just sit there and play this, you know, what is under that tree waiting for me game with their <laughs> mind, you know, for the next month up until Christmas happens. And it's just it's so fun to see that anticipation build. And I think as as parents, like, you know, this is a reflection of how God is with us, I think. But, you know, he's just excited to see good gifts, giving good gifts to your children and see the excitement that goes into that. But on the other side of that, you know, we, we need to have this understanding that these are not things that are going to fulfill us as we're receiving them. These are things that they may enhance our lives in some way, but they're not like the ultimate thing. They're not this ultimate fulfillment that's going to make everything better or make our lives be exactly the way we want or fix all of our problems. It may be a tool, whatever the gift is, to get us headed in that direction, but ultimately a lot of these things prove themselves to be those shadows that we we're talking about where you, you reach it and then you find out, okay, that's not what is really important. Hmm. What's really important are the people sitting around you 
as you're opening these things. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like like we were just saying that the memories that we make with our families will last a whole lot longer than say the gift that they're going to open. You're familiar with Peter Pan, right? He comes into the nursery at the very beginning of the story as he's chasing his own shadow, you know, because his shadow's got unattached from him. We're thinking that the thing we're following is something of meaning. And it's like we reach through, it's a hologram, it's a shadow, it's empty. And so even once you reach it, once you open that gift, once you have that thing you've always wanted now in your living room, it loses all of its luster. When we realize you know, kind of the futility of chasing after these things that are marketed to us, what do we do with that? You're going back to the analogy that Plato uses in the Republic, and he's talking about these people that are chained up in the cave and staring at the walls, watching the shadows on the wall that are being projected by the puppet masters behind them. When they realize that these things aren't real, then he said they should break free from their chains and escape into the light so they can see where the light is illuminating the things that are real around them. Yeah, so that the source of light brings to light the truth of their, their situation. You know, and it's by the light that they see what's real and what's not. How can we find ourselves more deeply in the light, seeing things in the reality of the moment, as opposed to just the way the light is manipulated? Right. It was Stephen Colbert who kind of coined the phrase truthiness um, yeah. several, several years ago. It feels like a lifetime ago, I'll be honest. Right. You know, the world has really, really changed in the last 10 or 15 years. So that word truthiness, really, he was kind of saying, well, there's truth in it. It's like truth, but it's not really the whole truth. Even though it's a little outdated now, it totally sums up exactly where we have been as a society, and especially on a, in a political spectrum. Truth is so relative, and you can kind of manipulate and show the light on certain aspects of the truth to kind of prop up what you want to say. So that kind of creates this desire in us to go seeking out what feels like the real thing. And yet, as we know, Many things that people run after as they seek after what's real are as just another replacement of a lesser truth. Almost as if like you leave the cave and instead of going into the light, you go and find a different cave, maybe where you can be the manipulator of the light. Right. Which not to ruin the ending, but that's how his scenario ends up. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I'm so intuitive. <laughs> Christmas is like the perfect example of that because you take a holiday that's built on this eternal hope that is coming into the world in a time and place to give all people hope. And the response that we're to have to that is to love and serve other people. And we've kind of condensed that down into a holiday where we do things that look like we're loving and serve people, almost like we're able to just check it off of a list. Or to check it twice, I guess, off a list. <laughs> oh, man. It's almost like we've turned this concept into something that is so compressed into one time of the year at Christmas time. And I don't know if, if it's just, you know, the people I grew up around or whatever, but it's like something shifts in you mentally and even emotionally when you start to head into Thanksgiving and Christmas time, where all of a sudden you start 
becoming just naturally friendlier to other people. And you see people, you know, dropping off money to the Salvation Army while they're walking in the front door of a grocery store. It's just there's this conscious shift toward looking outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. But it's temporary. That's what you're saying, right? Right, right. I was going to say, which is good, but it's good if it's lasting. It's not a, well, during this time we focus on other people and during this time we focus on our kids and our family. And then, you know, after, after New Year's, we shift right back into the way that we were doing things. But I think what would be healthy is if it served as a reminder of how we should be all the time. It sounds totally backwards with what our society teaches and what our culture teaches us. But really, the most fulfillment you find is when you are trying to fill the need of another person. Mm-hmm. Right. You find more hope and fulfillment in your own life when you're thinking about someone else's needs over your own. If it's just temporary, uh, and it doesn't last beyond that, or if it doesn't lead to some sort of lasting change, it can easily be a point on the merry-go-round that you visit once a year. And there's no progress that's made, as opposed to maybe what it could be is a reset button that propels you forward, not just around again. You know, and I like how Christmas and New Year's end up being almost one holiday. Obviously, we think of New Year's as a new start for ourselves. So I think the big question is, how do we use this season, this year, to propel us forward? I I hate New Year's resolutions because I feel like if you know you need to make a positive change in your life, then why do you wait for the excuse of the year to turn over? So last year, I remember making the decision that my resolution, which it was like in the middle of the year or something, was going to be to see more people. You know, we just walk past people as if they're not even there so often. We treat people as if they're obstacles or if they're burdens that are in our way or that they're interruptions versus a being with inherent value. Mm. And so my resolution, whenever that was, was to see more people, like to not be bothered by an interruption that a person might bring or If you see somebody who looks like they're sad to accidentally say something goofy within earshot of them while you're standing in the store next to them and see them laugh for a second. It's just to make a conscious decision to not treat people as if they are a barrier to whatever it is I'm trying to accomplish. Right. We continue to say a lot of the same things over and over again. And for our regular listeners, they're like, you know, would you guys move on to a new subject already? But honestly, we say the same things because, first of all, we never get them down. And secondly, these are the issues. These are the ways that we uh, pursue what's real. We kind of leave behind the shadows. We walk into the light of day, seeing people as they really are, being fully present with others, being less materialistic, less focused on things we can consume leaning into good causes and things that are for the benefit of others. We see all of these things as the way that we get up and hope. Yeah. I think that we all have like these two versions of our dreams. You know, we have the one version that's, I want to work my way up and I want to be the successful executive or invent something, you know, change the world that way. But then we have this other side to our dreams, which is like, I want to fix poverty. I want to fight child trafficking. I want to do these things that help other people. I don't think that they're exclusive, but right now it seems like in our culture, there's this, well, you do the success thing and make a lot of money so you can do the other thing. 
And I think that really doesn't make a lot of sense in a lot of ways, because the way that you start doing things that is going to impact others and change the world is by starting with things as simple as noticing the person behind you as you're walking into the store that the door is about to slam on. And so you hold it open an extra couple seconds for them. Right. Maybe what you're hinting at here is we focus on an end goal, but the means that we get to the end is just as important as the end itself. And so what you're describing there is our goals or desires for ourselves to maybe make an impact, uh, to help other people. That's wonderful, but it doesn't start with whatever that big goal is. It starts with the way that we treat the people who are right around us. Right. We don't get to be the business executive who takes advantage of all of his employees and then turn around and give a ton of money to a humanitarian organization and pretend like we've lived a good life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, granted, if someone is making a big donation, that could be their first step in starting to think differently. But you're right. It's not like we're using Christmas, you know, to to pat ourselves on the back. Look, I earned my Christmas badge. I think what we're desiring is that this season would inspire something that moves us beyond where we are in the moment. Right. And I think maybe bringing this back around from the beginning of our conversation in episode five to right now is the cave analogy of Plato. You know, this was written in like 380 BC, 350 BC, somewhere around there. He ends his scenario with there's only so far we can get in experiencing the truth and experiencing reality before somebody else would have to step out of eternity to show us the way. And that's where his scenario ends in hopelessness, as he said, you know, there is nobody who would experience the ultimate good of eternity and see truth as it is and come to that full enlightenment or realization and then submit themselves to returning to the hopelessness of the cave, even if it were to lead people out of it. And I I think that's a really cool story being written that far before the birth of Christ, because that's what the story of Christmas is. It's Christ stepping out of eternity and being born, offering hope and a way of new life to all people. Mm -hmm. That's right. What God is doing there in the story of Jesus, becoming like one of us, inviting us into deep relationship is the ultimate invitation. Now, we sound like preachers when we say that, but that's just the thing we are sold out to. We find great hope there. Even if that's not where you find hope right now, We encourage you to lean into those things that are real and true as you search for yourself and figure out what is true, what is meaningful. I think this is a good place to uh, stop. Is that right, David? Yeah, I just want to thank everybody. This is the last episode of our first season of podcasts. And so we just want to say thank you to everybody who's taken the time to listen. We've had some great feedback from many of you. And actually, according to the numbers, have landed in the top 50% of new podcasts as far as listens go. So thank you so much uh, for taking the time to listen to our conversations that we record uh, between two friends. Yes. It's always good to spend time with our listeners. It's always good to spend time with you, David. Wish everybody a a Merry Christmas, and uh, we will see you again next year here on Get Up and Hope.